This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, every Monday I give one of you a hundred bucks to invest in an idea and to get to the top. To enter, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you subscribed. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. Last week's winner was Dr. Paul Vasquez, Dr. Paul Vasquez with My Ads Nation. And he currently is working a full-time job and is dying to get out. Top job. This is episode 337. Coming up bright and early tomorrow morning, you'll hear from Michael Gilroy. He's 28 and investing from a $600 million fund with over $4.2 billion in assets under management. Top Tribe, good morning. I hope your morning's off to a great start. And our guest this morning is Dr. Henry Cloud. He's an acclaimed leadership expert, psychologist, and best-selling author. He draws on his extensive experience in business, leadership consulting, and clinical psychology to impart practical and effective advice for improving leadership skills and business performance. Again, he sold over 45 books, which have sold over 11 million copies. We'll talk about those in the show. He also, again, uh, runs a leadership consultant practice that works with Fortune 500 companies and smaller private businesses alike. He has extensive executive coaching background and experiences as a leadership consulting uh, consultant and devotes the majority of his time working with CEOs, leadership teams, and executives to improve performance, leadership skills, and culture. Dr. Henry Cloud, are you ready to take us to the top? Hey, then let's do it. Let's do this. Okay, first off, 40... I I love the tone of your show because... It's all about movement and getting people <laughs> hey, how they can listen to you and not get moving. I don't know. You got it, man. People, you know, they, 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 you know, they stop putting on their punk metal for their workouts in the morning. Instead, they just listen to the top and, you know, they get great workouts in. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of seriously, when you get into the neuroscience of performance and getting the brain of, of high performers, it is basically about two things. It's energy and information and information in terms of coding, just like a, like software. So energy is really important. It's my bottom line. So you do a great job. Well, I pr- thank you for the compliment. And I will tell you, man, I think too many teachers forget that it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. If you can't present the information with energy, no one's going to retain it and you might as well not do anything. It's useless. They're snoozing. So you have to tell me something, you know, people say, uh, Nathan, don't write a book. It's a, like takes a ton of time and you don't make money off it. And it's a lot of work and it's not worth it. You've written over 45 books and sold over 11 million copies. Why do you write so much? Well, it's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm not a writer, <laughs> I'm a writer, right? So um, I've got a day job, but what to probably two, two reasons. One is um, the book, whatever book we're talking about, the books come from the work for me. I don't sit down and say, gosh, I, I'm going to write a book. What topic should I write on? What happens with me is I work with high performers. I work with mostly CEOs, their executive teams and, and helping build their cultures. And what happens is I begin to see an issue in really high performers, you know, that continues to present itself. And so 
So the work is kind of like writing this book and it's screaming about, you know, if I find myself saying the same thing to, to you know, multiple Fortune 25 types, then this is important. And mm-hmm. so what, what I do is at some point um, I sit down and type that out. So, so for me, writing a book is about the work. And, and I think, Nathan, that probably so many people that listen to you have written a book. They just haven't typed it because their story, what they've lived, what they've learned, that's a book. And the difficulty I see people having is getting it from their head and heart down, down to the page. And that just becomes a, you know, performance issue. So tell me real quick, the power of the other is, is the latest again, book that you've got out. I believe it comes out May 8th. Is that right? No, actually May 3rd. May 3rd. Okay, so tell us about the book. Give it to us in a nutshell. Why should people pick this up and read it? Okay, here's why they must pick it up and read it. Because whenever we talk about leadership or business or any other performance, the conversation is always about you're getting better, increasing your skills, increasing your competencies, increasing your abilities, all of that stuff, which is true. But here is the reality. People only get past their current limit of performance in the context of relationships that build that new ability. So what that means is it's not a question of whether or not people have power in your life and in your performance of the business. They do. The question is what kind of power are they going to have? And the book basically talks about, you know, if you look at any leader, any high performer, take their worst season and their best season. And there's another person or persons on the other end of that. And it talks about the dynamics of the inside relationships, the way they got to work for you to get to your highest performance, whether you're a Navy SEAL, Olympic athlete or a CEO. I love that. Well, hey, again, guys, we will link to the book in the show notes at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top 337 for you guys to jump in there and check the book out. But Henry, before we get again, you do so much. So one of the ways that I could we could totally bomb this interview is if I do a poor job getting us focused in on one thing. And I know one of the things my audience, they just love and respect is they are data freaks. They love understanding numbers. They are efficiency, efficiency machines. So if they understand more of the numbers that run your business, they are more likely to go buy the book because they'll just, again, they appreciate your focus on numbers. So you, what was before the power of the other, you have so many books you've published. What was the last book you published? The last book I published would have been Boundaries for Leaders. And you've done this is like a series. You've done this for marriage, kids, everything, right? Yeah. Um, so, so the Boundaries books have, you know, they're, they're in the numbers. Um, that little handful has sold about five or six million copies. And it is currently, um, I think, this month. And, and the original book is, you know, 20 years old. And it's number nine on the New York Times list this month. So... It, it, it caught a nerve. And so what, what I began to see is even in high performers, the subtitle of that, that book is about results and relationships. And what happens is even the highest performers tend to lose control. In other words, the mission starts to drive them sideways. They're, they've got a direct report that's making them crazy. They got a board member, they got an investor. And the, one of the biggest problems that high performers have, high performers have, is to stay 
on focus and, and, and the way the brain works. If you're going to, if you know, you got to remember if everything's important, nothing is. And what we see high performance struggling with is high performance struggling with is that they lose their boundaries. Everybody intrudes upon them. Everybody intrudes. They're trying to change the strategy. Their next move is very important topic. So for some reason it struck a nerve and, that's what happened. So let's talk again. I want to dive in just because I'm curious. Boundaries for leaders, the numbers on this thing. Was it self-published? Did you self-publish it or not? No, no, okay. no, no. I'm not a publisher. <laughs> so who did you work with? Who was the publisher? Um, uh, uh, Harper Collins. Okay. Harper. Why do you laugh when I ask that? Well, because um, here's why I laugh. You know, I... Publishers, um, and and if people are going to, if they're going to publish a book, then basically you've got to understand this. Everybody hates their publisher that I talk to. They they do. You you just talk to them. And the reason is that they don't understand what a publisher does because they think, gosh, if I write a book, a publisher is going to sell the book. Right. That's what they do. They're going to market it. And you always hear this. The publisher's marketing and marketing, marketing. Basically, here's the reality. You, as the author, you're the one that sells your book. It's your platform that sells a book. I mean, take any, any you know, New York Times bestseller and tell me who the publisher is. Nobody, you know, they know the person, they know the book from the platform that the person builds and has. So what you want to look for in a publisher is somebody that can help you distribute it well, and get it where it needs to be and can be a thought partner in crafting it so it's usable, et cetera. But you're going to sell the book. And if you don't realize that, you're going to be frustrated with the publisher and your book's going to, you know, sit in a few boxes in your office. Expectation setting, right? Expectation setting and really role setting. What I find the biggest confusion is in publishing with authors who have something to say is they do not understand their role and the publisher's role. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're going to get the best deal when you have the best platform and you're going to, because of if you know, all platform is, is relationships with your audience and you got to have some way of, of letting your audience know, look, I'm not just trying to sell you a book here. I got something that I found is helpful and it'll help you, but you got to let them know about that. And publishers, you know, they can run a few ads and get you a few interviews, but you know, you got to build your platform. So we've talked to a few authors that have in their, you know, your same range in terms of volume of sales, people like Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver and, you know, Chris, who just came out with uh, Born for This. I believe that was the name of the book. Um, help us understand with HarperCollins, did you, they, have they been working with you through this whole series for Boundaries for Leaders? And if so, did they, again, did you pitch them or did they pitch you? And if they pitched you and really wanted you, what was the advance that you worked together under? Well, it, you're, you're talking about a long path here, right? So, so I wrote a book um, in, uh, this would have been the early 90s, and it was called Changes at Hill, and it was uh, actually a book about high performance um, and life and getting well and all that, and, and how it relates to both psychology and, and spirituality. And so what happened was the second section of that book my first book was called Boundaries, and all the questions I got were about boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. And so I decided that, you know, we need to write a book on boundaries. So so when that happened, and that one just, you know, kind of went crazy, when, you, when you're when you writing your first book, you know, you, 
you got to find somebody to publish it, right? Unless you self-publish. And I wrote my first book without an agent, which, which most people think they should do because they go, why should I give an agent, you know, 15% of this thing or whatever. Sure. I've written 40 something books and you know, you said your audience is into numbers. We're talking about 12 million copies. That's, that's a lot of books, New York times bestsellers. And I'm telling you in 40 something books, the only book I ever wrote without an agent was my first one. Mm-hmm. Now there's a reason for that. I didn't know what I was doing. And you talk to 99% of people that really do well in publishing, they will tell you that they have a rock star agent because here's the problem. You know, if, if you sell widgets or you're, you're, you know, into consulting or whatever it is you do in your day job and you think, well, I do deals all the time. You know, I can negotiate this and I'm not, I don't need an agent. Here's, there's two or three problems with that. One is if I said to you and you make widgets, you're not in publishing. And I said to you, so at what number of copies do you begin to change the royalty rate when you're dealing with Sam's or Walmart or borders? You're lost. What, 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 yeah. And what, where will the intellectual, at what point did the intellectual property rights revert and the copyright of the book back to you when they decided that they got bought by another publisher and this imprint is going to happen, you know, in a different way and you don't like it and you want to take the book back. Okay. So there's 8 million things like that. At what, at what number of copies should your royalty change and should it be net or should it be gross and which one is most advantageous to your business model? I mean, I go on and on. I don't know anything about that stuff. If, the agent if handles I'm, it is what you're saying. Your agent knows a B whatever publisher you're talking to that publisher is telling you, well, this advance that I'm giving you, you know, I mean, this is pretty standard for the industry. It's, it's the best you're, you're going to see. Your agent has talked to 20 publishers that week, and they know when somebody's blowing smoke. <laughs> what was your, real quick, Dr. Henry, what was your advance on the Boundaries for Leaders book? I would not be either w- willing or probably either want to share that that's between me and my publisher what what, what was the general right like we had profit for happiness guys on jack deuce he says 30k a bob burry it was closer to like 50 or 60k well i mean was it higher than these guys since you've sold 12 million copies or lower well if you do the math on 12 million copies um you would understand that you probably wouldn't agree to do a book for those kind of numbers. Okay. What about in terms of the unit economics ongoing, ongoing, you know, again, and again, people, Dr. Henry, one of the reasons I'm asking these questions, there are, there are a lot of folks listening right now that are, are, they have a message, they do consulting and they're trying to go, Oh, maybe should I write my own book or not? Is it worth my time? Or should I just keep doing consulting work? So understanding these economics to the extent that you can share is very, very helpful to them. So what do you have a typical royalty split with Harper Collins? I mean, is it, it, 20% 20% or how does all that work? Let, let me speak to the person that, that you want to speak to there. Because if somebody's never written a book, you know, because I was there too, right? And if you've never written a book and you're trying to compare it to, you know, gosh, is this w- worth it? You know, for people that have been doing this for, you know, over 20 years, you've got to, what you've got to ask yourself is this, why am I writing this book? Okay, it all goes back to what is this book supposed to do for me? It's no different than any other way you run any other aspect of your business. And so what I would want an entrepreneur to, 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 to ask themselves is, 
what am I trying to do with this? Okay. First of all, if they're in consulting or they're in some sort of whatever it is, then one of the things a book can do for you is it is a way of getting your message out. And so if you write a book and you go speak somewhere, do a consulting job, you know, if you're consulting with a company that has, you know, 50,000 employees and you have a book now, A, you've extended your product line, but also you've got something that you can turn into helping them through training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's marketing. It's an extension of your product line. It's also kind of a calling card. It's also another way to get you in front of, you know, if you're just beginning in front of the audiences that you can't get in front of. And then there's the economics of it. Okay. So, so what I would say to anybody, look, is it worth your time? I wouldn't just look at in terms of the, what am I going to make off royalties of this book? That's probably in the beginning, the wrong reason to write a book, unless, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, Oprah and you've got a platform where millions and millions and millions of people are waiting on you to write a book, or you just, you know, you're Michael Phelps and you just won all these gold medals then you're going to make a lot of money on that book because you got a lot of eyeballs that are instantly going to go buy it. But there's more reasons than just the royal. Yeah, Dr. Henry, let's assume people have their like they have their expectations set properly. They're doing a final check on the economics, right? They know why they want to do it. They have that stuff in check. My goal on the podcast in 15 minutes is to try and give them some like actionable things that they can kind of take with them as a final check. So they really, I think, look, they're going to value you telling them and helping them understand that they're in the right mindset and the right mind frame, which is, again, understanding why you're writing the book. But it sounds like you're you're kind of wanting to skip over economics, which is fine. Help us understand your first book. Go ahead. I'm... I don't want to skip over economics. What I don't want to do is, is, is violate a highly, uh, a highly valued relationship between me and my publisher. Yeah, so, so what, what can you share? I mean, is there any, can you share royalty income, like royalty percentage or income or volume sold of that particular book? Well, I think it's like when you do any other deal, okay. When you come to the table and if you, you know, if you're Donald Trump and you've built a bunch of high rises and you're taking on a partner because the publisher is a partner, you're going to get more of it than somebody who needs to build their first building. Right. So so what you're going to see is you're basically on the economics of it. You're going to see beginning authors, you know, being offered something in that, you know, I don't know. And I'd have to go back and look at all this from years ago, but but it's going to be either a gross deal or a net deal. Uh And when you when you're in those ranges, you're probably going to be seeing in beginning authors something in that 10 to 15 percent or so of gross. Or if you get to net, you know, it can be different than that. And then the other thing that authors, if they're really doing out there doing work, the other thing you want to do is you really want to negotiate your ability to buy the book from the publisher at an insanely low cost, almost, almost a cost. And what you've got to convince them of, because publishers don't like to do that a lot of times, but but you got to convince them, look, I'm your best marketing piece. And if you can give these books to me, you know, at somewhere near cost. And I go out and I speak to, you know, a thousand people and I can have a book table 
and I can sell those books and I've got enough margin in there where it can make it worth it to me to go out and market your book. That's another big part of the economics of a working author doing that. Now, in terms of, you know, advances are pretty simple to do the math. What an advance is going to be is, you know, a, a, a publisher is going to say, you know, how many units do we expect we can sell in the first year of this? Okay. And what would the author's royalty be on that? And then they advance you those royalties and you have to recoup them in sales. And so advances are generally just about math. And again, I go back to platform. You don't sell an idea or a book. What you're selling is a platform. There's a gazillion ideas out there that are really worth reading. But publishers won't buy it because the person doesn't have a platform. So, Doctor Henry, when you when you first start when you first started, let's go back to your first book, okay? So, make this more valuable. You did it without an agent. How did you sell your first copies? Did you because obviously you have to build credibility, then you can negotiate in advance on your next book, etc. Did you have an email list back then or what? Well, um, what I did at that time, I I had started a uh, psychiatric hospital and treatment center company and I had hospitals and treatment centers um, all over the western states in about 40 markets and I ran that company for a long time and part of the marketing out um, sort of outreach of that, that company in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Palm Springs and Seattle and Portland and all those cities is I would go on the road and do big um, you know citywide you know, almost arena size events and I would speak. And so at those events, we would take, you know, full resource tables and book rooms and all of that. And when you see markets with lots and lots of books, what happens is then the word of mouth kind of catches on and you're building it that, that way. At that time, when I wrote my first book, you know, email lists were not a big thing. What year was this? This was in uh, 92 ish. Okay. And so, you know, unless you wanted to mail out to all your copy server AOL friends back then. Yeah. What was that? So so, what, by the way, what was that book title? Just so people can look it up. About, well, the ch- Changes at Heal was the very first one. And Boundaries was the second one. And th- those were in, a, in the faith-based space. And then when I moved um, to also doing, you know, all of, most of my books in, in the mainstream, um, that's when... Uh, the, the titles that they're probably more familiar with started to have like necessary Sorry, what, endings. What was the name of the first one that you cut out right when you said it? Oh, Changes That Heal. Changes That Heal. Okay. And and so that, again, this was your first book, which is maybe again, more of a valuable lesson uh, to uh, to the audience. That book, how many copies did you sell? Uh, that book is sold. It's going towards 2 million copies or so by now. And I, and, and this is a great example. Never had written a book. And I got a, this is a 92 first time author. I, I think I got like a $10,000 advance, which for a first time author and, you know, never had written anything. The publishers are telling me, you know, gosh, nobody gets this and all that, but I was doing my own deal. And I'm telling you, that's the last one I did without an agent because then you learn really what, what, what your platform really is worth. Yep. And, and it's like any other business, you know, somebody's going to start out 
with with kind of what the author thinks the eyeballs are worth if they have listening to them. That's the math. That's the economics. And what you do is you make that first one work and you make it go. You know, John Grisham sold his first book, A Time to Kill, for $5,000. Yep. No, it makes good sense. It makes good sense. What was the... So you did have a publisher on that first book. They paid you $10,000 advance. What was the... And again, you didn't have an agent negotiating for you. What was the royalty percentage you earned on that gross gross royalty? I think on that one, and you're really... Don't hold me I'm stretching your memory. (laughs) I'm going to say it was in the 12 ish range on the first uh you know the first pass at that. so just to make just to break that down so on a list price of 10 bucks you're essentially making 12 cents per copy sold no 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 on the, the first the list price would have been closer to 20 and you're making 12 percent of so gross. two dollars and 40 cents so 250 ish to yeah three maybe okay maybe. and 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 you at certain, what you do is you build in numbers that go higher, right? What do you mean? So, like if so you hit X amount of sales, you get a higher royalty? Yeah, now I know this. I didn't know this then. Yeah. But you build in bonuses, and, you know, if you earn it back within, you know, the twink of an eye, then you get another bonus, and you can do, you know, probably, look, it's a partnership. The publisher wants to make money. You want to do well, and ultimately, the economics, if you know what you're doing, the economics are like any other deal. It's going to fall where the water falls. I yeah. mean, water's going to seek the level of the market. So a lot of people make a mistake. They, they fall in love with their idea and they think this is so wonderful. Everybody ought to tell me how to write this. Well, that's great. We know you love it, but publishers don't pay for love. Publishers pay for platforms and the ability to move books. So let me ask you a question because this comes back into kind of negotiation power. How many copies of the change of that first book did you sell before uh, before you negotiated the deal on your second book? On the second book? No. So in other words, what I'm asking you is like a first time author might be going, okay, if I want to launch a book myself and I need to, how much do I need to sell to then get an, a, a publisher on board who's serious and an agent? So did you sell 30,000 copies of that first book before you had your next book deal or how many copies did you sell? Uh, yeah. Before I had my next book deal and it would have been, you know, later that year, um, I probably sold, I'm guessing... Forty to fifty thousand copies at first year by doing that. kind of the roadshow that you articulated via the company you were running. Yeah, and a lot of radio interviews and stuff. Awesome. Now, this is yeah, much better yeah. than radio, Doctor Henry, isn't it? Podcasting way better than radio. Way, way, way more way fun. <laughs> more fun. Well, here's the other thing about all that, though. You know, um, I laughed when you said said self publish, and I don't mean to poo poo that because that's a great idea for some people. But publishing's not my day job. And if you're going to self-publish, then there are a lot of pieces to that that, you know, you're going to have to manage. And that's great for some people. I've got a friend who has a big radio show that, you know, everybody would know their name. Um, and I won't mention it, but they self-published their last couple of books and just absolutely killed it. But they have a huge platform. Yep. Yep. Makes so, good sense. And it, you got to ask yourself, look, what's the purpose of writing this book? Do I want to, 
you don't want to be in the self-publishing business because then you're going to have to spend time and effort doing that. And is it better to spend that, you know, in your day job and like everything else, you do what you do best and you might want to bring on somebody right now. I have an entire team that, you know, sets up all sorts of stuff from, you know, speaking to podcasts, to interviews, to TV, to, you know, Wall Street Journal and all of those sort of publications they're pitching all the time. And, and, but if, if, if you don't have a team like that yet and you don't want to do it yourself, then you got to find out how do you make the alliances like publishers and others and networks that are really going to make this book go. Well, Dr. Henry, I let this interview cheat over just because, again, it was kind of fascinating to learn and we had to kind of work around there to, to understand some of the numbers. But the power of the other, again, is, is coming out. If people want to connect with you personally online and really track the book and your message, where can they connect with you? Well, to find out about the book and, and also a simulcast that you can take to your teams or your companies or just watch it online yourself. Um, I, I did it live from, from Manhattan last week and go to poweroftheother.com and you can get that with the book or, you know, any of the major retailers have it now. So in, so Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any of those, it's power of the other. And I would just, you know, after, you know, <laughs> full of decades of working with these high performers from, you know, business to, to sports and all of it. I'm telling you that the idea of a self-made high performer is a total myth. You look at a Michael Phelps, you've got his coach that's been there since he was 13 or 14 years old. You look at all of these guys and they were mentored and built in by built into by somebody very significant. The book talks about the dynamics of those relationships that are going to take you to your next level and how they're not optional. You've got to have them. The greatest business show on earth is coming to Austin, Texas with the addition of two capuchin monkeys that can write cold emails and they close harder and faster than most of your salespeople. You don't want to miss it. Go to nathanlackett.com forward slash Austin live to get your tickets now. These monkeys are unbelievable. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can see Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. Well, Top Tribe, we will link to the power of the other in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top 337. So you can go check it out along with a simulcast. In the meantime, Dr. Henry Cloud, we are about to get into my favorite part of the show, which is wrap up, but it has a specific name. Do you know what time it is? Do I know what time it is? Of course I know what time it is. He's looking back at Alexis going, Alexis, what's the name? What's the name? What's the name? <laughs> it's Dr. Henry Cloud. It's time for the famous five. Are you ready? What I was going to say is time for everybody listening to Nathan. Isn't that what time it is? <laughs> very political. You should run. That's a very political answer. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've got this. I've got this election thing covered. I've, I've bought futures in 
in pantsuits and hair dye. <laughs> no matter which side went, I'm covered. You're covered. All right. Famous five. Number one, what is your favorite business book besides one of your own? My favorite. Oh, gosh, that's so hard. My favorite business book. You know, this is going to sound, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I, I always drift back to Drucker was so ahead of his time in his book management. I mean, we didn't call it leadership back then. There's so much good stuff in that book. And whoops, did I lose you? No, you're good. Uh, but, but what I really enjoyed in terms of a fast read is I, probably my favorite business book was Steve Jobs yeah. or Jobs or whatever they called it. I, I read that on vacation. I couldn't put it down. You know, after you get past all the stuff about his, you know, early romantic ramblings and you start to, to see how this all happened and the drama and the deals and the persuasiveness and the creativity and the, the craziness and the toxicity. It is just, it, I think it's my favorite. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Number it's number two. This is the second question of the famous five. As you see, my, uh, my brain's not working. It's okay. Uh, CEO that I, you know what I'm, I've been reading a lot and following Elon. Um, it, you know, it's just ridiculous the level at which his head works. And, and one of the things that I love, and if you read the biography about Elon Musk, um, here's what you're going to find. You know, people look at people like him or people like, you know, whoever's accomplished stuff and they compare themselves to what they see and read. That's a snapshot. You go read the, the just awful experiences and near brink of bankruptcy and and things blowing up. And every great entrepreneur has a story of how bad it was before they were famous. And the thing I, I look at Elon and I go, good night. Who has grit and perseverance like this, apart from just the brains and the talents and the IQ, it's an amazing story. All right, number three, and we're going to go rapid fire on these. Number three, what's your favorite online tool? My favorite online tool is online tool is OneNote. OneNote. All right, number four, yes or no? As you're building this business, launching a book, Doctor Henry Cloud, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? Not in this season, but <laughs> but the research I got probably four or five last night. But the research tells you what the highest performers do more than anybody else is sleep. You got it. Last, uh, second to last question here. Uh, tell us more real quick, actually, Dr. Hunter, before I ask this question about your situation. I think you're married. You have two kids, right? Married uh, 21 years and two kids, two girls, 13 and 15. Wow, congratulations. And, and how old are you, Dr. Henry? It's more fun than business. Huh? It's way more fun than business. There's okay. nothing, like, nothing like kids. Yeah. Take us it, real quick. How old are you before I ask the last question? How what? How old are you? How old am I? What or are young. You? How young are you? How young are you? Um, I graduate from high school next year. No, you know what? <laughs> this is our, I don't know how this happened. But I'm telling you, everybody that's listening is going to happen to you. And you're going to go, what? I just turned 60. Hey, listen, you're young. You got energy. It's wonderful. Here's, the, here's why it's important. You're married. 
You got two kids. You're 60. You're building this empire. Take us back 40 years, Dr. Henry. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I wish my 20-year-old self knew what this book is about. It's called The Power of the Other. And if my 20-year-old self had known that everything I want to accomplish in life, I am going to need to get with the right people to form me and shape me and kick my butt out of my foolishness and my ridiculous egocentricity and my selfishness so that my talents and my brains are usable. If I had known that earlier, I would have been a lot better off. So the power of the other, the reason I wrote this book and I write a lot about, you know, instances in my life is that's the only way you can get there, guys. You can have the best strategy and the best everything But if you don't have the people writing code into your brain about how performance works, then you've got malware in there and you got to get some some other people helping you. Top tribe. There you have from Dr. Henry Cloud. Surround yourself with the best and never forget the power of the other. He has launched, again, many, many businesses, sold over 12 million books, 45 different book titles. New one coming out May 3rd. Check it out. Dr. Henry Cloud, thank you for taking us to the top. Hey, Nathan, it's great to be with you. If you enjoyed Dr. Henry Cloud today, folks, go back and listen to Stephen Mazur yesterday in episode 336. He breaks down how his company, Ash and Anvil, sells clothes to short guys and it has a 25% e-commerce reorder rate. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Folks, breaking news. We have added two capuchin monkeys that can sit at a computer, type an email, and close a deal live on stage at the greatest business show on earth coming to Austin, Texas, October 6th. Brought to you by yours truly. We are almost sold out. So many people buying like Blake Allen, who is the CEO of AppLink, Timothy Delaforce, who works at the Work Lodge, and he's XHP, and hundreds of other people. It's going to be a show like you've never seen before. The greatest business show on earth go get your tickets at nathanlatka.com forward slash austin live before they sell out nathanlatka.com forward slash austin live to see these unbelievable two capuchin monkeys billionaires battle on stage startups go from bootstrap to billions live and much more nathanlatka.com forward slash austin live to get your tickets now Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.